Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. How is everyone? Good, good. I feel like I'm super close. And I can, um, again, cannot wait <laughs> until next weekend. It'll be so nice. It just does feel different to be back in our sanctuary. It's going to be amazing. Um, <clears throat> I want to honor for a moment. How many of you know anyone who has um, passed as a result of serving our country? Can you raise your hand? I just want to take a moment to honor them and honor their families on, on Memorial Day coming up tomorrow. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for all the people who have served um, our country and those who have died as a result of doing so. And uh, God, I just thank you for their families, for their friends, and for their lives that they literally laid down so that we could have the freedom that we have. And uh, I thank you for just giving... Um, just remembrance, God, that we would just remember them on this day and tomorrow and the days to come, just to set aside that time to just remember we have this freedom because people paid a price for it, just like the freedom we have in Christ. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And um, I'd like to add, a lot of people would like to take away that freedom. Should we get started on that? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, anyway, we're going to be continuing into Ephesians um, chapter 2. Um, Matthew said, Mom, we're going to go through this book. It's going to take us all summer. <laughs> I said, yeah, it probably will. But it's such a rich book. Um, I love... All of the Pauline epistles, they're some of my favorites. Um, I don't know which one, Ephesians or um, Philippians, but I love them both so much. They're so rich, and they have so much in it, uh, in them for us. And uh, when we look at, if I were to like take these in three segments, and um, you would look at chapters one through three, introducing the principles with respect to God's accomplishment. If you look at chapters four and five, it puts forth those principles into our present existence. We go into chapter six, we look at these principles concerning our daily struggle. And we uh, talked a little bit about that um, when I talked about putting on the armor of God and how important that is, that it's not just all these different pieces. We're really putting on Christ, and that's a big deal. Um, and again, too, I do want to thank everyone for the carnival Give yourselves a hand clap. That was so amazing. We had a lot of people come through. I think we like guesstimated probably 400 or so people come through. So it was, it was quite a tremendous turnout. And that was our first one. So to have that kind of a turnout for our first one is pretty, pretty special. You guys are pretty amazing. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and read... Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive <clears throat> who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we are all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, say, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, with which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that is good news. There's so much in here. And I want to thank Jason for um, um, ministering last week. Can we give him a hand clap? That was great. That was his first time doing that here. <clears throat> I texted him and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about the service, and um, so I just let him sweat until today, and then we'll sit down and talk about it. <laughs> I didn't say anything else. <laughs> oh, I'm proud of myself. Um, hmm. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in our lives. I'm just reminded of your goodness today in such a profound way. So many things that we've stood, stood and stood and stood for. So many times when we couldn't walk any further and all we could do was stand and that's what we did. God, you're moving in our lives individually, corporately, you're also moving in our children's lives, our friends' lives, people that we have touched and given words to and that we're going to see those things come to pass. And we're so grateful for the season that we are in. You said that in this world we would have tribulation, but to be of good cheer for you've overcome the world. And so, God, I thank you that... We keep our focus upon you, that you are doing something so great and so mighty beyond anything that we could ever ask, imagine, or even think of. Thank you, Father. How many um, in here have been standing, I have this sense of... Um, really standing in the gap praying for um, someone in your family, like family members, just really believing for them um, to be either set free or come to the Lord or whatever. Can you raise your hands? Wow. It's about everybody. Okay. Father, we thank you for um, your word that will not return to you void that the trials and the hardships that many people are going through and experiencing, that we have stood in the gap and prayed for, that uh, your word will, will produce what it said it would produce. I thank you for absolute victory. I thank you, God, for um, just a turning around 
and a moving forward in this season, that there will be a running. There will not be people growing weary nor fainting, but that your grace is sufficient in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, speaking of grace, <clears throat> I looked up the word grace in Ephesians, and it has, it's um, 12 times it is mentioned. And so I started to see how grace is really woven, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout the book of Ephesians. And when I was thinking about it being woven throughout there, making this beautiful tapestry. I was reminded of my grandmother um, when I was young. She taught me how to crochet. And I remember um, first I would learn to do it with one loop, and then we did a double, and then I got up to the triple. And, uh, I, but I can only use one th thing of yarn, one color. And so I would make my little um, pot holders and you know, different things like that. And then she's like, do you want to make a blanket with me? I thought, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I want to make a blanket. But then she showed me how to add another color. Well, that took it up to the whole next level. And that's what I saw that picture of was... That's what grace is like. It's like when you add grace, <clears throat> it takes you up to a whole next level where it's no longer you trying to do everything in your own strength and your own ability because we have our own strength and our own ability, our own giftings, right? And so we can have such a tendency to go through life just constantly pushing forward and pushing forward, using our own wisdom, our own experiences, past experiences. Oh, well, I've done this before, so I'm just going to do it like this again. And what we forget is that we keep doing the same thing over and over again. We're going to get what? the same result. And so if we're wanting a different result, we really need to actually rely upon the grace of God. And that can be the scariest thing because you're saying, I'm going to let go. Yeah. And how many of you like to do that? <laughs> I mean, anybody that says, oh yeah, I like to give complete control of my life over to God. That's not true. I mean, I always say that, but the bottom line is like, I want to be in control. Like, I want to know, you know, I love change as long as I'm in control of the change, right? Because we're always like, yeah, I'm one of these people. I love change. I'm like, yeah, as long as you're in control of it. And that's how, that's how it feels. And so I'm thinking about um, how do I walk in this, this understanding of grace? Like, we, we talk about it, we preach about it, and we read about it. And I'm like, but how do I actually walk in it? So I want to read um, back through. This is so good. Because there's a notion, and this is true, there's a notion that we can be good enough. Like even, even Christian, um, there's Christian nat nations, even um, people who aren't Christianized, they have this notion that for some reason, the better you are, the more that God loves you. Somehow, it's, it's ingrained in us that we think that when we're like really doing really well, then God is like, way his favor is upon us so much more, and he's way more pleased with us because we're earning something. We have to have skin in the game, and we don't have to have skin in the game, and we really understand that it really has nothing to do with you and I. It has all to do with what he has done and what he has provided. Right. Completely, 100%. And when you grow up in a culture and it's ingrained in us, we don't even realize it's happening. And we're doing it to our children. We don't even know that we're doing it to our children. It's just because it's such a works-based mentality. Now, we're saved for good works, but we're not saved because of our good works. He didn't give us the grace because we're good. He gave us the grace because we're not good. <laughs> it's true. He gave us the grace because we are sinners. Yeah. 
where we were sinners, and then he set us free. So look at this. It says, he raised us, verse 6, he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What gave us his grace? His kindness. So it's like, it was his kindness, his goodness. It wasn't because of you. It wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of how good we were or how good we're going to be. He saw the state that we were in, and it was because of his kindness. Here, I'm going to read what that word means. It literally means goodness in action, sweetness of disposition, gentleness in dealing with others, benevolence, kindness, affability. Have you guys heard of that word before? I looked it up. That means, you guys know? One person in here doesn't, one person, could look it up really quick. <laughs> it just means his goodness toward us. It's another word for goodness. It's another word for, um, what was it, endearing or something like that? It's so affability. Now you got new. You have a new word that y'all can use. Y'all can use. Why well, look at me? I'm starting to talk like I'm from the south. So, in other words, the word describes the ability or the act for the welfare of those taxing your patients. What is it? Easy to talk to. So that's very good. God is easy to talk to. The Holy Spirit removes abrasive qualities from the character of the one under his control. So when I started thinking about, okay, God's kindness, it took me right to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I want to read these real quick. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. And so when we start to look at it was the kindness of God and all of that, together is what ushered in the grace of God, which causes us to be saved. And so it takes away the whole works mentality. It takes away how good we can be. Now go back to Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now let's stop right there. So many people will say, yeah, but it was my faith. But even the faith that you had, he gave to you. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation and our position with him. What happens as a result of that? It says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. That word workmanship literally signifies that which is manufactured, a product, a design produced by an artisan. And so here we are. We are literally God's craftsmanship. We are produced by him. We are like this artisan. This, or he, he was the artisan that actually created who we are. To me, that is a big deal. Why is that? Because it takes away everything that I can bring to the table. Because the only thing that I can bring to the table is my sin anyway. 
He takes it all away because of his goodness, because of his kindness, because of his grace, and that his grace is sufficient for us. And so when we look, and it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. In other words, God has chosen to save us as sinners, not based on our goodness, but based on his kindness. He does this to demonstrate his grace, that is to say, his undeserved favor. By definition, grace is a blessing that is undeserved and unwarranted. Grace is freely a gift freely given based on the kind intentions of the giver to a recipient who has no claim to it. So good. So when you're reading the book of Ephesians and you're even looking at, cha- at chapter um, 2 and we're looking at, I wanted to focus on the fact that we are saved by grace through faith not of works, as anyone should boast, what that does is it causes me to want to have good works because I know I didn't get to where I'm at anyway because of anything that I've done. So then the world can look at us and and, because the world is looking and they are seeking. They're seeking to find out there has to be an answer. The world is hurting, that all the things that have been going on, even through this whole season of COVID, and we think that we're not feeling the after effects of that. We are feeling the after effects of that. There was so much isolation and so, so many things that got taken away from people, and it, it became such a um, toxic Uh, situation and season. And we are still feeling the effects of that. The inflation, everything else that's going on, still feeling the effects of it. So what do we do in the midst of all of that? Do we focus on those circumstances? No, what we have to do is we have to get outside of that and ask God, okay, how do I walk in this grace? Because I'm striving and I'm struggling and I'm trying so hard to live a good life, to live the way I think I'm supposed to live, and to actually overcome all of this despair and and the darkness that's going on in the world. But how do I actually walk in that grace? How do I let go of control? Because who wants to let go of control? We talked about that. Nobody wants to let go of control. But yet God's asking us to lay down our life. And we say, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And then we pick it back up. Because you didn't really lay it down. It was kind of like you're a weeble wobble. You just went whoop, and then right back up. But how do you actually walk out into the grace of God? How do you really say, God, I'm going to let, give over control? I remember with Matthew, um, when I used to travel a lot in ministry before I had a church, um, I knew that every single time I traveled, but I'd go over to overseas or if I was doing conferences across um, this country or wherever I was, that he was going to be a hellion. And I knew that he was going to get in trouble that I was going to get a phone call, um, something bad was going to happen because it was like the enemy came and really used the circumstances every time. And so I had a choice to make. I thought I could either not travel, not do anything, and give up everything that I knew that I was supposed to do to just wait and see and hope that he would overcome because that would bring me in control of his situation. That would help me feel better because I was there and I was in control and trying to keep everything all the balls in the air. But I didn't do that. Instead, this was very, 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 very difficult. I went ahead and I did what I was supposed to do, knowing, letting go of control, that God's grace was more than sufficient, and that I prayed those prayers and that he had him. And how many times I've said over and over and over and over again, God, 
you told me if I sacrifice my son for your sake that you will save him just as you saved your own over and over and over again. And I would have to remind myself over and over and over again, God's grace is sufficient for me. God's grace is sufficient for him. And I would pray these amazing prayers. And how many times when you pray those amazing prayers, you think they're better than the crappy prayers that you pray when they're really not? You're just more impressed with yourself. You're like, wow, that sounded really good. Pretty sure he's going to answer that one. (laughs) It's so true. We are so human. (laughs) So we do this over and over again. And for sure, almost 100% of the time, I would get a phone call. Matthew's in jail. He just beat up a cop. Um, He was drunk. Um, They maced him and all this other stuff. And so he was, you know, either on drugs or um, wrecked his car. I don't know how many times that was. Um, There was always some kind of a big traumatic event. And every time I'm thinking this kid is going to wind up six feet under. And I would have those thoughts. And I I did not know how in the world he was ever going to get saved. Even though I prayed, even though I said I believed, there's still a part of me that I just didn't know. How many of you, do you get that? But see, we all act like we have to be totaled in faith 100% of the time because if we, because we were taught that, if you swerve over this way a little bit, forget it. God can't answer that then because you don't have any faith. Last week, we found out that your faith can be smaller than a mustard seed and God still hears you. And he's still going to answer you. Why? Because you never got saved by faith only. You got saved by faith, by grace, through faith, by grace. It was his grace. So if his grace saved you, then his grace is going to keep you. If his grace set you free, his grace is going to keep you free. If his grace answered our prayers... His grace is going to continue to answer our prayers. So how do we walk by grace? When we actually understand that it's not our performance that's going to impress God or make him show up or answer our prayers or do anything else. How can I give up control when I actually can believe that God is in control? When I actually believe that someday I am going to stand before him, that this life is not everything. Newsflash, this is not everything. We put so much importance on this life and what we are doing and what we are achieving and who we are with and all of the problems that are happening in my life or in the life of somebody that I know that I get so bogged down and so stressed out and so heavy and so hopeless. But God is saying, don't worry about any of those things. He told us not to worry. It wouldn't add anything to us. And yet we do it all the time. But we have to come to a place where we say, God, I don't want to give up control, but I have no other choice. And he will put, he's such a good God that he will put you in circumstances where you actually have no control. And it is the hardest lesson. But when you're in that place, then you understand the grace of God. I am... Hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from Matthew, and he's in a jail cell. There's nothing I can do. There's no phone call I can make. There's nothing I can do to try to intervene. It's like God's grace. It is so sufficient. 
And so that's why these words, when he's, when he's speaking to, to, uh, to the Ephesians and he's saying, look, all of you are so performance-based. I want you to understand something. There's nothing that you can do. No matter what you've done, where you've been, he still loves you. When you understand, when you have a father who says to you, look, I love you. This is what grace looks like. If your kids mess up, and they, let's say that one punches the other one or does something or whatever, and they're little and they're getting in trouble, and they come in and they're crying, so-and-so did this, and blah, 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 blah. And you say, okay, well, let's just go get some ice cream. That's what grace does. Grace says, you just punched him. Let's go get some ice cream. I'm glad there's no kids in here. All the parents are going, oh, tell my kids that. But it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. And yet we learn at a very, very young age that somehow I have to attain something to be someone. Our identity is in how many acronyms do we have behind our name? How, what, how many titles can you put? Hmm. When we actually do let go of control and we actually see God's grace in our life, how many of you have experienced, at least once, we all... I think probably all of us have experienced a time when we said, guess what? I'm in a place where I can't do anything. I don't have control right now, and this really sucks. Can you raise your hand? How many of you have been there? But what happens as a result? Every time you get to see the kindness of God, every time you're going to watch his grace come, and it's not easy. But every time, he has never failed us. It's just like how the Israelites were when they were walking in, in the wilderness. And every time, God showed up. But every time, they complained. Every time, he showed up. And then it was like, it was like oh, but now we have this obstacle. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And they'd cry out, and they'd cry out, and they'd cry out. And you know what he'd do? He'd show up. Because they were acting so good. No, because he loves them. Because he loves us. And I do believe that the season that we've all been in and through, not just as a church, this church, but I mean as Christians, the body of Christ worldwide, I really believe God used it to say, where's your control? There were times that we couldn't do anything. We had to trust God. This sanctuary upstairs, we put a lot of effort into that. Don't think we didn't. We had to use wisdom. We prayed for wisdom. We prayed for strategy. We did all of that. But at the end of the day, the only way that that thing was getting restored was because of the grace of God. Yeah. Having the shingles donated 
Someone might have made a phone call or had a connection. Don't think that that wasn't the grace of God. That was the grace of God. It is an absolute miracle that in this short period of time that we had to get that finished before the conference, that is not normal. Uh, Have any of you ever been in part of a construction project? Something always comes up. I pray right now for the wiring in Jesus' name that nothing, nothing, nothing will come up in Jesus' name. I thank you for divine protection, for grace, 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 and more grace. And then as we move everything upstairs, nothing's going to be damaged in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen. Covering that in the blood right now before we go any further. (laughs) We're not there yet. Doesn't this feel good? It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult not to be in control, not to have skin in the game, not to believe that there's something that we can do to actually play a part in it. I love this. Verse 9, I wrote this out. I gave it my all. Hey, what's that saying, verse 9? Hang on. Not of works, not of works, works. Why am I saying it like that? Works. Works. Oh my gosh, I need more coffee. Lest anyone should boast. So why is that? Because God wanted to get all the glory. If we have a part to play in it, then we get some of the glory and we get to boast in it. It says, I gave it my all and overcame tremendous obstacles, but I finally ascended to the highest levels of goodness and holiness, and God gave me what I deserved. And there we go. Let me read it again. I gave it my all and overcame tremendous obstacles, but I finally ascended to the highest levels of goodness and holiness, and God gave me what I deserved. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we all think that on some level. I'm going to get what I deserve. And boy, I've done really good this week. I stopped and helped a homeless person. I did this. I did that. I paid my tithe. You know what? I even did more than my tithe. I ascended to the highest level of holiness. Now I'm going to get what I deserve. And this is all I'm going to get. But how about those who fall and stumble? What about the drunkard? What about the one that screwed up one night and did something that they regret? Is it just too bad for them? No. That's what the grace was for. It's for the ones that they did screw up. We've all screwed up. Some screw-ups are more public than others. But it's God's grace. I'm going to close with this. It's crucial to ask yourself, what do I rely on for my own salvation? Are you relying upon good things you've done? Or do you recognize that you have nothing to contribute 
and simply cast yourself upon the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Father, I'd ask that you would help us to examine our hearts, that we would think about what we actually do rely on. Do we rely on our own strength and our own ability, our own wisdom, our own understanding into circumstances and situations? Or do we really rely on you? Do we rely on your grace, which you say is sufficient, and yet for us sometimes we feel like it's not? But yet you're such a loving father that you bring us into circumstances where we have no other place to go but to allow you to actually be you. You're way more sovereign than we give you credit for. You're not impressed by our faith. You're impressed by our heart. A heart that is broken for you. Your son did it all. He paid the final price. And it is finished. So wherever we find ourselves in life, in whatever circumstance we are in, it can be so hard and so difficult and so draining. And yet you're saying to us very clearly, just like that blanket I knitted with my grandmother and saw the different colors that were coming into it, that's what your grace does. It takes us up to the next level. It's a beauty that we could never experience without your grace. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about the Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.